I come from a normal average Joe family. So maybe that's why I kind of feel the burden. But I don't want that on my children. I want them to know the culture, but there are certain parts of my culture that I am forever pushing against. Welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America, an immigrant human library where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. Welcome to part two of the previous episode. Right. Yeah, that's the immigrant journey. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think most people from around the world have ties to other people back wherever they call back home or you know, and they're giving back in some way. Um, but I, I wonder, is it, are these other family members or are these other less fortunate people in the community that your family has adopted? How does it work for you guys culturally? Like, how does it play out? Um, Who gets selected as the person for you to support or how does that actually happen? I think um, it depends. It depends. If you have the less fortunate members of your family, then it just seems like a natural thing for you to want to support. Either you send money to support them or on occasions, you know, where obviously like in my situation, my mom couldn't, she has six of us. She couldn't, you know, look after all of us by herself. My mother was uneducated. You know, she couldn't read or write. She was a she sold groceries and stuff like that. So she yeah. could sustain six children on that. Taking me away was lessening her load in a way. And I don't know, I just share those parts of my culture with my children because my husband is of Jamaican heritage and he was born bred in the UK. You can imagine it's, it's very different for him than it is for me. So, but my children, they've gotten to understand that this is what they do in Nigeria. Uh, you ask my son, I just go, I don't know. It's just what they do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my daughter would tell you the same thing. And it'd be like, well, you go to his father's side. It's more Western. You know, they're more British, very English, where all his siblings are in the UK. So you have the benefit system you know, social benefit system. So if anyone was ever in need, they would go to the system to support them. Right. I come from a culture, there is no such thing as social benefit. (laughs) Yes, I get that. There is no such thing. So hence, the family, whoever is more well-off will support the less than in the family. So sometimes it may be distant relatives. Sometimes it could be close relatives. So there's no one size fits all or no particular order. It's just, I don't know, it depends on the relationship that you have with said family members. So you can imagine my children growing up with witnessing one side, the African side, and then the very British side of them. You know, it's like, it's just what it is. To them, this is just the life. And how? what do you think then, 
since they were born in the UK, how do you think they would lead their lives? Do you think they would be uh, removed from the responsibility that you have since they weren't really raised with that mm. in that Nor- Nigerian setting? Or do you, uh, do you think they're more Western per se? A very good question. Very good question. And it's a thought. It's something I've thought about. In a way, because they're so far removed from that, and in some respect, I have contributed to that. Because as much as I don't mind helping my family back home, I also know the kind of burden it is that it places on you. So, you know, if anything happens, you're the go-to person, you know, that can be very exhausting. It's almost like you're carrying the weight. And especially if you're the eldest child or you're the one that's done better than, even if you're not the eldest, you're the one that's done better than the others, the weight of the whole thing comes on you. And I don't want my children to feel that sort of burden placed on them. So in a way, you could say I've kind of distanced them from that part of things, but I encourage them to look out and care for each other. But I haven't encouraged them extending that back home because I know what it can be like. One slight extension to the wrong part of the family and you become Santa Claus forever. There's some of that in the Jamaican culture too. Your husband might have been removed because his parents might maybe one or two generations on the UK side and have less ties. Yeah. But it still exists in the Jamaican culture, even with the British influence and so forth. It, there's some of that still there. And I am, as I become this hybrid of, of that country and now being here most of my life now in the US, I'm learning to balance some of that responsibility and the burden of it and people looking to you and you become, you know, you can't take a trip back to the island without having to go shopping. And I'm just like, you know, even when I was in college, you know, and I would say to people like, guys, I'm in school. I'm not working. I'm just trying to support. I'm eating ramen noodles. But you couldn't, you couldn't just buy your ticket and go home and just take a break and go to rest. You had to go shopping and leave your pair of sandals that you just bought that you need to give to somebody who's less fortunate or something. And so that I completely get that responsibility. It can be quite, I don't know. It's exhausting. It is. It is. And it's- I, you, you want to be charitable and to help, but my gosh, sometimes it follows you your entire lifetime. And, and so I'm trying to educate myself how to balance that yeah. um, and to making sure that I'm taking care of myself and my home and making sure you know, my husband, my daughter, our home is taken care of mm-hmm. before we put other people's needs ahead of ours. Because, you know, I've observed people who just, you know, they never really get ahead or they never really care for themselves like they could or should mm-hmm. because they have such a huge community that they have to reach out and give to. And yep. it can be so sad. They just never really live because they have such a burden carrying for, for their entire community, you know? Yes. And I'm really glad that that part of things I don't have to explain to you because it is, yes, you want to help. And there was once upon a time, if I was making 500 pounds, be rest assured, at least 300 of that was going home. 
And I remember the first time I had a conversation with my non-African friend. And I was talking, I was getting stressed out because the money I sent hadn't been received. And I'm getting the phone calls, like, where's the money? Where's the money? You know, and I'm like, I've sent it. You know, she was like, I don't mean to pry, but (laughs) what's this money they keep asking you? And I was like, oh, it's just, you know, for this child's school fees. And at this point, I hadn't even had kids yet. Oh my goodness. Someone else's child's school fees, okay? (laughs) And she was like, why are you doing that? like I don't know so it's it's what I'm expected to do because I'm the only one abroad so even though yes I wasn't even making as much I was living in a one bedroom they're living in a how many bedroom mansion (laughs) I'm living in a one bedroom and yet I have to provide the other side to that is that I often talk to other immigrants who can relate on the island, for example, people have so much produce around them. They have fresh fruits, they have vegetables that they don't really have to buy food mm-hmm. here in the U.S. or in the U.K. or Canada. Everything we eat, we have to pay for it at the grocery store. Right. We pay rent. We have utilities. We have so many bills. They're not paying rent because there's a family property that somebody is living off of. They have fruits outside. Mm-hmm. They can just go pick and have dinner. Mm-hmm. But yet the responsibility is there. So it's it's a bit strange and I am not quite sure at what point this whole we call it the barrel mentality where you know families here are constantly working to pack barrels and send back to take Mm -hmm. care of people on the other Mm -hmm. side and some people do take advantage of people who are on the other side working oh you're earning the the pound or the US dollar and you have so much more so you some people really do take advantage of that because there's so many stories of people take you know taking people's homes yeah. they send money home to build a home and they go and there's no home built or they're living in there with their husband or the wife is there moved in another boyfriend in the husband's home while he's away working and sending money back there are so many stories I always say to people, going home, when people say, oh, you're going home for holidays. And I'm like, going home for me is not vacation. Mm. It's an obligation. There's a difference. And when you go home, when you go to the countryside, you're going to relax. Nobody's bothering. You don't have to buy nothing. You may buy a bottle of wine or, or, or whiskey or brandy for granddad or grandma. I dare turn up with that. I'm turning up with like, I'm allowed 23 kilos. I'm like, okay, let's multiply that times two. And then I'm paying extra luggages as well. It's not a vacation. It's an obligation. It got to a point, I was like, it's no point going home. I will pay to go to Thailand. I go to countries where I don't have relatives. I get that completely because sometimes you travel and you come back and you're in debt because of all the people that you're thinking about that you need to bring things for and you you have to buy your ticket, you have to bring money to give to people who are going to approach you and the, the spending that you have to, and this is not going to a hotel, mind you, this is no. going to stay at the family property, but people will show up on our land, on our property and they will sit there and look at you until you hand them a bag or they ask you for some money and this is the entire in my family's 
the scenario, the entire community and neighboring communities come out and the streets are packed mm. whenever we have a funeral and we oh. have to cook and we are serving everybody and we're the ones mourning. It's such a weird dynamic. And our generation, we've really talked to my parents' generation. I'm like, where did this start? This is overwhelming for us. We can't go back home and enjoy our properties like we're paying a tax to be overseas and having a property in this community because they won't just let you rest. You have to go somewhere else because you can't rest anymore. It's, it's, you know, because people say to me, oh, you travel here, there. And I'm like, those of my friends that travel home to Nigeria, whenever they say they're going home, I'm like, wow, I don't know how you do. Maybe, I, I suppose it depends on the family dynamics. You know, if you come from a wealthy family, maybe, you know, the dynamics will probably be different. I come from a normal average Joe family. So maybe that's why I kind of feel the burden. But I don't want that on my children. I want them to know the culture, but there are certain parts of my culture that I am forever pushing against. I go home. Yes, I will bring things because it's what you do. You know, yeah. you don't, you, you you know, within yourself, why am I doing this? Why do I have to do this? You know, but you still do it if you're going to go home. And while you are, you know, have the heart to want to serve in that way charitably, mm-hmm. it can be overwhelming. And I can speak from my own experience too, where you just, just remembering being in college and I just wanted to go home and see my grandma Mm. and to just spend some time with her, but I couldn't, I have to plan Mm. and have a certain type of budget before you think of going home. And that's just crazy. And I'm like, why did you guys ever, you know, so my family's known as like the big house in the community, everybody come down. Mm. And I'm like, what, why, why these expectations from these people when they have people come to their homes we don't look to infer any, anything because they're looking that we are subsistent. We can take care of ourselves. We give to our community. They hide when they get things and they don't share with us. But yet they come to our house. I mean, lined up, looking, sitting on our veranda, waiting for us to share what we brought back. Mm-hmm. Or they will have the audacity to say, what did you bring back oh. for me? And, and as a younger person in the family, I'm sorry, I say, excuse me? Did you give me some money or did you give me something to put down for you? I mean, I have just been pushing back as I've gotten older and just realizing just people's expectation of our family. And I'm just like, guys, this, this has to end. It's not going, it's not continuing with my daughter. It's not continuing with my daughter. That's that's exactly my, my thought as well, because I'm just like, yeah, you guys get all you can out of me. Because it ends here. You will not bring this to my children. It ends with me. You know, I I remember the last time I was back home. It's almost as if someone says, oh, Stella is in town. Oh, my goodness. The whole street is in your house. And somehow you got to feed them, water them. And then you have people who won't go home because they ain't got no money for transport. I'm thinking, how the hell did you get here? (laughs) <laughs> oh, really? Even to that extent, you have to pay for people with transport to get back home. Oh, my gosh. Not that they really need the money to go back home on the transport front. It's more like another way of saying, you got to give me something, then I'll go. Right. There's an excuse or a way to get something out of you. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, they'll sit there with you. 
all day. Right. This conversation could go for a few hours on this topic, I tell you. This is why I'm having these conversations to talk about people's experience, about how their cultures influence their lives here, as well as the new country they're living in. And how do you balance now the two as you, you know, become more aware and try to hold on to the things from your old culture that you find meaningful mm. and and versus letting go of those things that you find not helpful and, you know, and so forth. And so <laughs> in respect of your time, then, Stella, I wonder how have you transitioned then with being in working as a professional woman, you're a mother, you're a wife, commute and live in Germany now while your daughter is attending school. Yeah. How did you how do you balance self-care and now living in a whole new culture and all the dynamics that come along with that? How do you manage that experience? Okay. I mean, it was challenging at first and but in the last couple of years I started, you know, being firmer with my boundaries. You know, as much as I would like to give, I can't keep pouring from an empty cup. There's nothing to give, you know, because then I'm not helping them and I'm not helping myself. I had to literally say to certain members of my family, I'm really sorry. I cannot help you any further. I had to draw that line. It was hard. I'm, I can't help you any further. Tell me what you want to do. I will find the money and get you set up so you can self-sustain. Whatever you choose to do with the money, it's entirely up to you. But you cannot call me and come asking for more. It doesn't work like that and it will not work like that going further. You know, I had to have those difficult conversations with people. I say, yes, if, if ever I have more, I will share with you. But me becoming your your source of income as if I am your job. No, it, it ends here. And, and that's what I did. And some people still didn't get it because they will still come back after you've done that for them. They kept coming back and I stood my grounds. I was like, no, we're not doing this. We are not doing this. And then there were points where as much as it killed me at the time, I stopped taking certain phone calls. To the point that when certain calls come in, I'm just like, no, we're not doing this. We mm. are not doing this. I told you, I gave you the money. You said this is what you want to set up. I've helped you to set it up. Go figure it out. And I, I just had to. I just, it was like a clean cut. I had to do it. It was hard because <laughs> you then get the text message saying, oh, the children haven't been to school for so long. But for your own sanity, you already have so much on your plate. That's why I'm trying to get a sense from you. Like, how many of these people are you actually supporting? And, and you have your own family and you're working and commuting with your daughter. I mean, like, how are you able to do all that for so many years? I, I don't even know how I did it. Maybe because I'm getting older and I'm getting tired <laughs> more. It gets to a point where you're just like, okay, enough is enough. Enough. Yeah. I, I hit that point when I was sort of like, when I hit 40, I was like, okay, we need to pull back on this because I'll give you another, I'll tell you a little story. There was someone that, you know, I was doing the most for. It turns out this person, I don't even own land in Nigeria. Okay. 
this person that I'm paying their children's school fees, I'm giving them money for food and everything every month religiously for years. They were building a house, another house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was that was the eye-opening moment for me. Because they forgot themselves and we're having a conversation. They actually came to me after I said I'm not gonna be sending them money anymore. After a while, they came back, assuming I would have forgotten what I said. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. joking to them saying, if you went to speak with that baba in the bush, you know, <laughs> whatever they gave you, tell them it didn't work. <laughs> Because I'm not buying. And and they were like, well, I'm not asking you to give me money. It's just that, you know, the windows in the house need to, I need to put windows in and put the roof in and then I can rent the place out. I went, what place? Oh, there's a house that I've been built. I'm like, say what now? Okay. You've been building another house? Yes, it's just, you know, and I, it was the, after they said what they said, they didn't expect that reaction from me. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. so you want me to pay for the windows and everything and the fixtures? What's in it for me? I'm like, I'm going to just, clearly from the sound of things, I've built this house. <laughs> I've yeah. built this house that I that my name is not on. And that was, for me, was, okay, we're really good here. We're good. We're good. Yes. At that moment, I just went, I, I, I have no words. And I had to actually block this individual for a very long time so they could get the message that you can't call me anymore. So it's, it's like I had to be really firm and just like, no, we're not doing this. And, yes, I started blocking people because otherwise it's as if, this conversation with someone today, I can assure you in the next two weeks, they're going to call you asking you the same thing again. And I'm thinking. And it's almost as if they would time when they think you were getting your paycheck. And then Friday into Saturday, here they come with the phone call. Yeah. And it's like, you don't really get a sense to just focus on your own little plate and your own home. It's just, you're, you're always extended to the point where I realized that I was neglecting myself yeah. and, and not even putting the attention into my career and other mm-hmm. things that I needed to take care of for myself because I was so concerned about everybody else. Like this one hitting me up, I need to help. Can you help me finish building, mm-hmm. putting on a bathroom on my mm-hmm. home? I don't have a bathroom. Can you help me start a bar? I remember introducing somebody to the potential of getting a scholarship because their daughter did well in school. And I said, okay, she's a smart girl. This scholarship will help her. Hmm. And now they expect me to pay for her to take the the SATs, pay for her to get the visa, pay for her medical, everything. So I said, do you not know anybody else? I give you, introduce you to the opportunity. And that means I have to pay every dollar that goes into you making it across. Yep. I mean, what is your buy-in? We're, you know, what do you have to contribute to this? So it's, I have noticed in the communal immigrant community, people who come from high context cultures where there's a large community, it's less individualistic than like the Western industrialized countries, that codependency where you have a tendency of rescuing people mm-hmm. is very prevalent in that community. I've had to work on myself because as soon I find a tendency that I have 
I'm constantly looking for the next person to rescue. Mm -hmm. Like who, who else can I help? Who else? But yet there are things in my own home that are falling through the cracks and I can't even see it. And so I literally had to like literally take a class, read books Mm -hmm. to see my behavior, to see my actions and start Mm -hmm. putting in boundaries so that I can have enough in my well to pour to my daughter, to give to my husband. So I won't be so stressed and extended, overextended outside of my home so I can have peace in my own home. Yeah. I literally would go anywhere that I know. A, chances of me bumping to any relative are zero. You know, I'm going to Thailand. I'm not related to anyone there. My God. I know I'm on holiday. I can relax. I can do me. I pack my bags. It's just my bags. Do you know what I mean? I'm not carrying 10 other suitcases, paying Korea to ship stuff over because this person needs this. No, none of that. I can go to the spa. I can relax, you know, and I started doing that. And the minute you, you, you sort of like put the boundaries in place, eventually they will get it. And eventually they did with me to the point that people, it became a thing where family members would say, oh, have you heard from Stella? Oh, that one. She never answers any calls. You know, Stella don't call anybody. We don't even know where she is. We don't even know her number. Yes. At one point, I changed my number some years ago when I drew that line. And I was like, if I give you my number, do not pass it on to anybody. Yes. Because yes. if I find out, you will end up on the same list they are on, blocked. Yes. Yeah. And I will not feel bad. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I had to do to keep my peace. You know, and I literally just, my boundaries were now so solid that you come at me with anything and I just let it be known. We're not playing like that. Hmm. We're not playing like that. And I say, if you want to join the list of your known other family members, move like that. Continue moving like that. And eventually wow. you get the, the message, you know, and people, you're now known as, oh, don't, don't take that to Stella. Oh my God, don't, don't. Stella will tell you, duh, duh, duh. she will tell you things about you, you know, and to the elders, oh, she has no manners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm okay with that. That's another thing as well, being told you've got no manners and you're not helpful, you're not supportive. I'm like, I'm okay with that. If that's how you feel, I'm okay with it. You know, a lot of the time we're made to feel guilty and you care so much till you get to a point you stop caring. Mm -hmm. And I guess I got to that point. Like I said, I don't even own a piece of cloth back home. And there is somebody that I was doing work for. Yeah, helping <laughs> them to build a home. Off my back. It was, it was kind of like a hard pill to swallow. And I have I friends with similar stories too. My friend was like, she went home <laughs> to find her brothers built a mansion. And she went, whose house is this? He couldn't tell her it was his house. Someone else told him that it's your brother's house. And she went, no, my brother don't own a house. <laughs> he owns that one. He's been building it. So, you know, it's, it's, you, you just have to 
be firm with your boundaries. And yes, they would try the emotional manipulation. You know, it's like, as if you're born, they're born, and then there's emotional manipulation training comes along with the birth. And mm -hmm. they're just so good at it. When I hear other friends, they're like, how did you do it? And I said, listen, it's going to sound cold, but you will have to be that cold. Because otherwise, you'll never have peace. Part of it is, too, that they don't ever learn to fish for themselves. Exactly. If we continue to enable them in that sense is what I've learned. I've studied. I've worked hard. It's no different for you living in another country, right? You need to do the same thing, right? They make different decisions. They're buying expensive phone. Uh -huh. You go down and they're buying Apple phone. And I'm like, I don't even have an iPhone. I have an Android. And you are calling me every other week for money. Yeah. You're not hungry. I had someone laugh at me because I have an iPhone 6 and they have iPhone 10. They can't believe they're like, how can you have iPhone 6 and they have 10? Again, sometimes people speak and they don't realize what they're doing. The minute you yes. say that to me, my brain's going, you're on the block list next. Because clearly, I'm furnishing your lifestyle. <laughs> right. Now you're laughing at me that I don't have the latest phone, but you do. Okay. Someone's got their priorities wrong. Clearly, it's me because I'm not looking after me enough. And that's the moment I make a mental note. After that call, the next time you call, well... The number you are calling is not in service. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. And it's kind of like, it's been a revelation for me in the last number of years. I'm kind of like, this person is calling and having all kinds of excuses. And every, it's like they come with another story every time they call. And I'm like, no, I don't want to live like this. Right. And, and you see them and they're, they, they don't want you to bring them like anything basic. They want you to bring them Air Force One. They're telling you the brand of whatever they want you to buy when you're coming. And, and even when you help them financially to do what they say they need to do, they take the money and they do whatever else they want. And then they're back in the same place that they claim that they started. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's kind of like you have to set the boundaries or you'll never have peace and they will never mature and grow up to be able to support themselves. It's it's a whole mentality of people since immigration started to the industrialized world. It's like they have come up with a way of manipulating and just uh, sad to say, just feed off of people who they think are earning the other dollar that is stronger mm -hmm. than theirs. And so now you have a responsibility to care for them and the entire village or the, everybody else. You know, something else that I noticed once I started putting boundaries in place and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, those people that will call you and, you know, they need help with A, B, C, and D. When you stop, do you think they stop leaving? No. Exactly. No, exactly. Right. Before... When you were sending the money, it was like you were in that mindset of if you stop sending it, they would not be here anymore. They would starve. Yeah, they would starve. And then you stop. 
Oh, it's been 10 years now. They're very much alive and breathing. Yeah. Or they found another person to manipulate and tell stories to, to get money. They've become quite adept at coming up with stories. This one person is like, she called me recently and the number of stories of businesses that she wants to start. And I'm glad my husband is like, Simone, don't you see the pattern? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, she just, she doesn't see you as a friend or as a family member Mm -hmm. to call to say, how are you doing, Simone? How Mm -hmm. is life treating you? She calls with business ideas because she sees you as her bank. Yep. And yeah, it's quite sad, but you know, I'm glad you're sharing about some of the boundaries that you've had to implement so our listeners can learn that they too will have to consider and put in some of these boundaries in order to have some level of peace and to get out of that guilt that people will walk around and carry just because they have the opportunity to live and be abroad. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't easy, you know, getting this far, but when you try to explain, they just don't get it. It's like you lived in a one bedroom in just the room, you know, (laughs) they can't comprehend that. It's like, yes, I did. I remember I had a cousin come to visit. She, you know, years later, and she came to my home and she was looking for certain branded items. Mm -hmm. And she went in the bathroom. She saw regular deodorant you know, regular shower gel. You know, the funny thing, I used to send her all the branded stuff. Oh my gosh. And you would keep the basic stuff. I had the basic. And Mm. then, so when she came to visit and she looked around and she was like, you don't even have this. I went, no, I don't. She went, does that mean you don't use it? I went, I can't afford it. And she went, but you send them to me. I went, because you asked me. And I tell you, that was another one that got the chop. (laughs) I was just like, now you see. And even then, you would think this person wouldn't realize the penny would drop for them. Like, oh, my God, Stella's going without so that we can have. Yeah. It didn't drop. It didn't. The penny did not drop because I assure you, the minute they returned, I got a phone call. Can you send me this? Join us next time for part three of this episode. We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe and share with your friends, family and circle of influence.